When it comes to discussing our bodies, we often get a little uncomfortable. Women's health issues are often seen as off-limits, taboo topics we just don't talk about. It's time for that to change. Let's talk. Welcome to the Brave Mama podcast, where we are going to do exactly that. Discuss everything from periods to pregnancy, motherhood to menopause. No topic is off-limits. Join Stephanie Thompson, the brave mama and author of The Day My Vagina Broke, as she asks other brave women about their personal health challenges and triumphs. You will learn, laugh and cry as Stephanie finds out everything you wanted to know but were too afraid or embarrassed to ask. So, grab a cuppa and enjoy. Hello, brave mamas. Are you ready to get the lowdown about everything women's health? I'm your host, Steph Thompson, and I can't wait to share our special guest with you today. I know we said at the end of our last episode with Amy Marie that we would be speaking with someone who knows all about birthing stories, but seeing as today it is officially World Gynecological Oncology Awareness Day, we thought that this bonus episode was just too important not to share. We chat with Kath Mazella this afternoon about common cancers that affect women but are not very well known to to us women, but also to the people who are charged for caring for us. I've grabbed my cup of Madame Flavor's Australian Afternoon Grey, just needing that little pep up in the afternoon, and it's my favourite of all time, Cylon Tea. By the end of this episode, I hope you feel more confident to chat with your health professional about your pelvic health. And... Keep asking until all those niggling thoughts and questions are heard and answered. Oh, good morning, Kath. It's so lovely to have you on the show. Thank you, Stephanie. It's a great honour to be here. (laughs) And for those who can't see, I'm loving your backdrop Maybe you could just tell, give us a visual. What's behind you right now? Well, behind me is a quilt that's made by the WA Quilters because I was trying to get a, a visual thing out there. And I've actually taken this quilt to the front counter of BBC TV and within a week I was on the Woman's Hour. So this quilt has, has speaks a lot of words. Oh, my goodness, yes, the Woman's Hour. Wow, that's, that's my big dream goal. Go you. Yeah. <laughs> let's I'm going to talk about that some more but first of all let's find out who is Kath can you tell us a bit about yourself and more so who you were before you started your cancer journey Right. I was a, a single mother with three children and uh, and then I met my husband uh, my, my now husband mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I was just a busy working mother with these three teenage children and then all of a sudden I was struck down with a gynecological cancer and um, so my life completely changed since then. And, um, yeah, obviously three teenage kids, you were, I bet you that, that could only hit you like a ton of bricks, right? When did you kind of think that something wasn't quite right for you? 
Well, I did have an abnormal pap smear and I was told to pop off and have my cervix lasered. But this was back in 1988, which was a long time ago. But (laughs) you see, we we weren't informed why you're having pap smears. There was notes on the back of the toilet door, you know, make sure you have a pap smear every two years. But we weren't really informed. I don't think there was enough research in it at that stage. But but we knew that some women were dying from cervical cancer. And, Mm. And that's basically all we knew, that we had to have a pap smear it's just a story yeah there was no explanation as to why um so when you first had that abnormal pap smear come back is that is that kind of how the process happened uh yes oh yeah I had this my cervix lasered and then about 18 months later I went to two GPs and two gynecologists with a lump in the vulva now I want women to my if no if nobody gets anything out of my talk today I want women to know that the vulva is the external genitalia and the vagina is the internal genitalia you know I'm quite I'm quite pedantic about that but until we as women use the correct terminology well we're always going to be behind the eight ball so anyhow I'm getting off track no I Um, love that I love that you just said that because it is so imperative that we are able to name and label our own body parts very different right it's (laughs) it's just totally amazing that even in this day and age and we're such a sexual society and you know everything's out in the open but we can't uh, we can't expose that the vulva is actually a, a vulva and not a vagina but then I just I thought why is there all this stigma around and I found the word pudendum the latin meaning of that word says female genitalia one who should and ought to be ashamed the shameful part of a woman so we all call it a vagina so we don't carry around this shame and call it a vulva oh my gosh what a light bulb moment i have been talking to women all month about why we kind of have this shame and taboo and you've just discovered it i know Wow. Because I'm just Yeah, yeah, go. Sorry. But yeah, I, I did hear somewhere once that a, um, a case, um, a child abuse case was thrown out because the child was asked, where were you touched? And she said the vagina. But in actual fact, it was the vulva. So oh. because it was thrown out because we didn't use correct terminology. How oh, it's yeah. so crazy, I tell it you. Is. It is. And I think just secretly I know that... Um, well, women, when they discover this themselves, they're like, oh, is it really? Oh, yeah, I knew that. And they kind of just brush it off like, oh, of course I knew that. But yeah, secretly yeah. we probably didn't. And I actually didn't until I was a grown woman, probably a few years ago, discovered yeah. that they're very different. And yes. I think, um, I don't know about you, you've probably seen it a lot on social media. Women love to, to have their input, but they say, oh, yes. for goodness sake, just call it all one thing. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Who cares? It matters. Okay. So can we imagine if men called their penis as testicles? I mean, we would all laugh our heads off, wouldn't we? That would be funny. So why is it? I know I've just spoke at the Australian Nurses and Midwifery Conference as a keynote speaker, and I put up a diagram of the great vagina. There's a great vagina wall. And yes. they're all vulvas. And so I put up a wall of penises and I called them the great wall of testicles. Yeah. Because and they went, what? 
<laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And that's what I find even with nurses, the executive director there, she said, oh, cats, we so need, <clears throat> excuse me, we so need this sort of conversation. So, you know, things are moving along. But <clears throat> I must confess, after I had the abnormal pets, the, um, I had, I was diagnosed with vulval cancer. Yes. Um, and I went to the GPs and gynecologist. Um, I, I was up booked in and I had to have my clitoris, vulva and lymph glands removed due to cancer. Right. So that lump that was on the vulva was within the entire, like the labia, both of the, like, yeah, maybe you can explain it better than me. Sure. It was it was next to the clitoris and it was just inside the you know we've got the two layers of the vulva but mine was right next to the clitoris but um after I was put into hospital it was removed I was sent home and there was me myself and I what the hell just happened why did this happen how could this happen and I was given a brochure at that stage after I had my genitals removed a brochure uh, it was called less common women's cancers and it was a faded cancer faded booklet and oh. so there all I all, all I was ever given was a diagram of the ovaries cervix uterus vagina and guess what was there no no vulva no vulva and when I oh, appealed yeah. when I appealed to say well where's the vulva I was all, almost treated like I was the devil herself or, or it was pornographic to have a vulva diagram and yet we've got pornography all over the place but we couldn't have a diagram but we're talking um we're talking a long time ago but I actually lobbied the New South Wales Cancer Council and there there we have the vulva included in the diagram and so everybody else included one small step one small step for womankind is what I have to say so I'm very proud to see that Bravo to you. It does. And it does take one very brave woman to say, you know what, this is actually not okay. I've been through this. I have lived experience. That brochure made me feel very unseen and invisible. And that's not okay. Go you. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, Excuse me. Um, Right. What's the next question? Yeah. So <laughs> it's hard when we get so excited again. I know. I know. So you mentioned before, Kath, that you saw a number of doctors and a number of gynecologists before you got the diagnosis. Do you think that it was taken seriously? No. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I have because we don't talk about the vulva mm-hmm. uh, in society, and there's still this shame and embarrassment. Uh, there is no research. I mean, even today, mm. I know there's a, a research organisation in Australia for gynaecological cancers, and there is the uterine, uh, ovarian, and cervical, and there is no vulva diagram, and there is no vulva research. Still. But you see, we are still, you have to understand how exasperated I am because okay. I have lobbied lobbied for 26 years to try and make this difference but it still isn't there but I you know I have my ways and means and I plan to even go to a politician to say that this is not acceptable in this day and age but you see vulval cancer you've got to understand these doctors are only taught this much and Mm -hmm. somewhere I heard they only have an hour to learn about the vulva that was years ago wow hoping things have changed but (coughs) excuse me um 
Because the bodies are so complex. There is a lot to learn. To be fair, like if you're doing your medical degree and there's so many ins and outs and it's it would be nice to think that they could learn everything and that, you know, vaginal health had more than an hour. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious to know if you don't mind sharing and you can or not, but what did it look like? How did you know something was abnormal? Well, when when I was having sex, it was it was irritating me. And then uh-huh. I, when the doc when the doctor said it was nothing, I thought, oh well, I just have to put up with this uncomfortableness. But my yeah. mother and two sisters had their breasts removed prior to that, and okay. so my mum my mum said to me, it's not normal. And I thought, mum, what would you know? Opposed to oh. these experts, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but as it turned out, it played in my mind that my what my mother had said. So in the end, I asked for it to be removed, and it turned out to be cancer. But I. I found another woman because I was told at that stage that it, it's too depressing to connect up with other women. And, oh. and iron- <coughs> ironically, I found, <coughs> excuse me, ironically, I found another woman. <coughs> they had the okay. same operation. Okay. And, and But the bonding that we had, see, yes. the mindset was, oh, it's too depressing. But the bonding that we had together was unbelievable and just as the boss the breast cancer women have that bonding and camaraderie we need to have this for all things gynecology not just about the vulva but the whole box and dice so I love it yeah I love it (laughs) so um did you have to have any subsequent treatment with the vulva cancer you know like a chemotherapy or radiotherapy what happened next yeah I had to have six weeks radiation but is I want to talk about the mental side of what happened. I mean, it it probably took me about 18 months to get over it because I went knocking on doors. I went to women's organisations and it's like, oh, only experts can talk about these things. And I thought, but where is the power in this? And mostly Mm. the gynaecologists were male. I would turn to the women's groups and, you know, it's only for experts. I would turn to churches and it's like, well, you know, you know, it's a sense. Too hard. (laughs) But if God made this magnificent body of ours, why would God be saying, don't talk about it? Why would God be saying, have the shame? So, Mm, you know, somehow or other we've got to change that mindset. So I, because I found that other woman, I put an ad in the Woman's Day and all these ladies wrote me horrific, horrible, horrible stories of no power and so scared of what they might say and scared of what they might do. And I was scared as well because I had no idea what was going on here. So I ended up travelling around Australia to meet up with these women. And so that's when I decided that I would do something about it. Wow, what a pioneer. And this was in the 80s, right? No, in 1988 I had the abnormal pap smear, but then it was about 1992 I had uh, the radical bulbectomy. But I just wanted to talk about the symptoms here, right? And you say it's it's hard for doctors to learn, but when you have a look at the, um, the risks factor, it's either an irritation, which a lot of doctors might think it's thrush, Yes. And so you're given a cream and then I know that lady that I first met, she'd been given a cream for 23 years, but it was the, but it was the chemist that said to her, you want to be careful with this cream because you can only use it small, uh, in a small amount. Mm. But I also discover um, 
you know, you can either have a lump or you can have an irritation. Okay. And okay, so thrush is very common. Okay, so it is hard for doctors to understand or whatever. But there's a, a condition called lichen sclerosis, okay. which <sighs> I can't begin to describe how much pain these women go through, even just urinating when you have this condition. But it's like, right. well, who, care? who cares? I care. Yeah, I care that these are our sisters out there that have got more than breasts on their bodies. And, you know, where we have sex, where we have the pleasure, where, where it's such an important part of who we are. Yes. And yet we live in shame and we call it a vagina instead. Mm -hmm. So if I could get the message out of how important, you know, it doesn't matter what happens to me now, but I'm all about trying to prevent this from happening to other women others yes and you just touched on it earlier about um the mental side of things maybe you mm -hmm. could share a little bit about that for us i know you say you you've moved past that now from the early yeah. 90s um but obviously you're still talking with women who are going through things like this mm -hmm. and you see their mental struggles um what type of things have you experienced and seen well um I remember even my, in my own case, I, you know, I was very insecure. But, you know, yeah. I thought, we'll never, I'll never be able to have sex again. You know, my husband is going to run off with another woman. So yes. much so that I left him. I took the children and I took, I left him. Oh, because, wow. Because it, it was a mess. The mess was all over the floor. It's like a mm. jigsaw puzzle. They think, how do we put it back together again? And because Tony, my husband, is not the father of my children. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was sort of, I was betwitched and between and trying to keep them happy and trying to keep them happy. And this is what we do as women. Mm. In a sense, I was trying to control. I was trying to keep everybody happy. But I'm here yeah. to tell you, you can't do that. Yes. You know, you can't keep everybody happy. So um, so where was I going? So that? your mental, so the mental side of things when you were going through this, um, and that's another thing that we've only just started to be getting a little bit better at talking about without the taboo or feeling like we are crazy, uh, yeah. you know, and now that everyone's in lockdown during COVID, we're all thinking, oh, okay, mental health doesn't mean you have to be kind of in a stray jacket anymore. It could be no. you can't get out of bed or you can't yeah. decide what to have for breakfast. So what type yeah. of things mentally, uh, happen, you know, occurred for you? Uh, well, well, it was the insecurity. It was mm -hmm. uh, how to manage. And it was looking in a mirror was the hardest for me okay. because, I've, because I've only got half a pubic mound because the rest has all been cut out. I've okay. got big holes in my groin because that's been cut out. And it's like, oh, I had to sort of try and I don't really know how I got past all of that. But mm. it, it was 18 months of, and they did suggest I go to a sexologist, but this sexologist, I already paid a fortune for my, uh, for my operation and yes. then to pay out for a sexologist. I mean, sex was the last thing on my list, probably, yeah. the, probably the first thing on my husband's list, but, you know. Yours was to survive. Mine was to survive. But let me tell you that a lot of people are, you know, come up to me after and ask me a question, but I can actually still have an orgasm through the vagina. 
Right. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> so, Especially for all those women out there, I know a lot of our listeners who have had episiotomies where the clitoris mm-hmm. nerves have been cut and yeah. they're, they're told you can't orgasm again. So that to yeah. hear that, I'm pretty sure they're going to want to reach out and say, how? <laughs> Tell us how. <laughs> okay. Well, some can and some can't. So it doesn't yeah. mean to say that everybody can, but it all comes back to your mind again as well. Mm. You know, you, I had to learn about myself. I had to learn who I was. I had to learn with rejection. I had to, yeah. <laughs> I had to learn a lot of stuff on my own because, I mean, people could have put me down as a hysterical woman. Okay. And, I mean, not, not that I went around screaming or anything like that, but I was just needed some answers. How could this happen and why could this happen? And other, it's happening to other women. Sure. And I even know. I even know a lady that's dying from vulval cancer. She's not long been given, and it breaks my heart. I mean, I've seen other women die before me as well. You know, it's it's so, so sad to sort of think they suffer in silence and they die in silence. It just has has to stop. It has to stop. And it's invisible. So because you can't see it, it therefore doesn't exist. So tell us, Kath, do you know how this happens? Like do is there a particular element that why women are getting vulva cancer? Uh, well, yes, human papillomavirus is a risk factor. And we all right. know about human papillomavirus. Yes. But, but lichen sclerosis is not... I'm not a medical person, so I just have to be careful not to sort of, of course. say anything medical. Yeah, 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 sure. But lichen sclerosis uh, is very debilitating. And, you know, I think we as women, even if you don't have it, we need to gain the understanding so that we can share with one another. If somebody says, I've got um, lichen sclerosis, it's like, I don't want to know about it. We can't do that anymore. No. I remember I remember a group of ladies. I used to go to a woman's breakfast and uh, and I and they'd say, anybody got any news? And I'd say, oh, gynecological health, you know, we're moving forward. And I received an apologetic letter from that group a few years ago. They said, Kath, when you used to come into the room, we wanted to hide under the tablecloth. But she said, she said, now we're understanding what you're all about. So a a lot of people do want to, even with our discussion here, they might sort of, I don't want to hear about it. Mm. But we need, as women, need to have that compassion and understanding and education so that when somebody does have something, that we are there for them. Yeah, great. That's a really, really great point. So um, was anyone there for you? Did you, were you able to turn to anyone during that process, a friend or a relative or anyone? Oh, well, I do have four sisters. So, okay. you know, we're, we're pretty close. So I did have my sisters, but again, they really didn't. Unless you experience this yourself, you really don't understand yeah. the depth of it, you know. Uh, not until I found that other woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, well, I think that was eight months later. Uh, no, there wasn't anybody. And that's why it took me so long to mm. get my head around what happened and why it happened. And and so I began my research and I found that word pudendum. And, uh, um, and then when I travelled around Australia to meet up with those women, I felt like I'm not the crazy one. Yeah. You know? You were seen and heard. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was pretty, very rejected. You know, I was very sad that I was rejected as I was. But that's why I do what I do because we can't do this to women. Yeah. But I, I want. Wanna... Sorry, you go. 
sorry, I also wanted to say that um, after my operation, I discovered my daughter ha actually had polycystic ovaries and endometriosis. But she'd suffered with bad periods for a long time. And I used to think, well, we all have bad periods, you know, bad periods. But I was ignorant. I was mm. ignorant that my daughter had these conditions. But 2 million Australian women have got polycystic ovaries and endometriosis. About 173 million in the world have just got endometriosis. And it's like, why aren't we talking about it? What is the problem? But I figure that it needs to come from the United Nations and the United Nations women's groups because when, you know, when they open the discussions, then it has a ripple effect in the That's rest right. of the community. Yeah. And, but I'm... I still haven't quite, I think because I save older, but having said that, I was invited to to us to speak at the, um, because a lot of women used to say to me, oh, don't say Bolvar in front of ethnic women or Aboriginal women and be careful, don't say this, don't say that. So I was always sort of being careful. But Do you know why? That did, yeah, what, why were you not allowed to? Because I don't understand the cultural sensitivity, but maybe you could educate us around that. Is there because because of the vulva? But my my theory is because the vulva. But I think we might discover that there's a lot of suffering, and mm. that I feel as though it's best not for women to, because some people used to say that I was scaring people. Yeah, and I okay. thought, okay, but I'm not scaring people. I'm just sharing my story so it doesn't yeah. happen to you or your mother, sister, or daughter. I get, but that. anyhow. I was asked to speak at the Soroptimist International Convention in Kuala Lumpur and I spoke to the international president and I said, how am I going to say vulva in my vagina in front of all these ethnic women? She said, Kath, I want you to say it. I want you to, okay. I want you to talk about it. So it's almost like I'm inventing the wheel. Even 26 years later, yeah. I'm still inventing the wheel about the vulva. And it, it, I don't understand it myself. When you ask that question, I think, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Really well, amazing. It is amazing. And I guess if we had the answers, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today. But I do feel like what you mentioned about from the top down, there definitely has to be layers from that. And then I'm pretty sure you could agree with me. It's also from the bottom up. Us little little people doing the small wins along the way and, yes. and opening up these conversations is just as important because I feel like we've got direct reach to yes. women who need to hear it, which is good. Yes. Um, but I, I'd like to ask the question, why, sure. do we have, why do we have to be brave to speak out? Why can't we just speak out? Yeah, I think because we've had so many years and intergenerational silencing and mm. being put in our place, you know, the whole yeah. female, male, very, very complex, layered yeah, <laughs> history that, that we have, Um I do know, I don't know if you've listened to uh, Yumi Stein's podcast, Ladies, We Need to Talk. It's an oh, ABC. I did, yeah, I have tried to get on there, but they said they have enough stories, so they didn't, didn't really want my story. Oh, that's a shame. I love mm -hmm. her episode when she talks about the vulva in regards to mm -hmm. pornography because a lot of women are having plastic surgery on their vulva to look like pornography. Mm -hmm. I didn't yeah. know that we have a law that says even in pornography, you can't show the vulva. No. And I was like, what? You can show, you can show a penis. You can yeah. show a penis. Yeah. 
and, and an anus and, and, and boobs and all of the, listen to me, boobs, breasts, all of, the, yeah. all of those things, but yet yeah. you can't show what a vulva looks like. And I think no. that's entrenched. That's huge. Yeah. We've got a, a lot of unpacking to do with that. Absolutely. And, yeah. and you, you allowing me to speak here is, is making that happen. I hope so. I really do. And I do feel like I'm pretty sure you would feel it too. There is an inertia coming. There is yes. there is yeah. change on the horizon and all of these, but we just have to keep going. That's the hardest part. Do you ever get tired of doing it, Kath? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I will never, ever give it up because it's in my blood. I see women dying and I just can't because I could have died and I didn't die. But mm. when I see other women dying and, you know, the statistics are only one in a hundred thousand about vulval cancer. So, you know, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Uh, but I question the statistics because you can have pre-cancer of the vulva. So we just chop a little bit out. Well, then, you know, you can go along, come back again another time. and We'll chop a bit more out and chop a bit more out. Well, um, if that's not on the statistics, how do we know what's going on? None of us women question. And if somebody like me does question, it's like, well, you know. <laughs> the true impact is not really understood. No, either. it's not. Yeah. And that's. But, a, uh, but, yeah, I, but I am on. I am on the Royal College of Gynecology and Obstetrics in London and the Australian New Zealand uh, yep, gynecology yep. um, yeah Ranscog in, in Australia on the women's voices as well and I'm I'm lobbying for an international gynecological awareness day which I'm still challenged to and they I thank God that they promoted it last year but I'm looking for you see there's no money put into gynecology well then in the, there's no money to celebrate there's no money to get out there and have you know a, a lovely time and so the more we speak out the better better off we are yeah I do I, I and I feel like it's very similar to any type of controversial topic I know even women who have been through birth trauma quite often they're not counted in statistics because people never go back and ask how your birth was you no. the hospitals never want to track the government never wants to know no. if it went terribly wrong and why and how and how they can improve it and I know that that for a fact because I went to be part of a study once about childbirth vaginal childbirth and I was rejected because my birth was too horrific <laughs> oh, I know. Well, that mine's the same story. That you know, I I won a few awards, but they won't bring in the media because my story is too graphic. You know, and I think, well, we need to get over it. Yeah, so, we do. We do. Anyhow, what I what I'm trying to, what I am already doing. I've got this undies campaign. Have you heard about my undies campaign? That was just going to be my next question. Tell us all about what you're doing. So you've had this journey and this personal experience has taken you somewhere else now. Tell us all about it. Okay. So when um, when you know, I received those ladies' letters, I thought, well, what are you supposed to do about the women's health mm. centres? It's all very hush-hush. So I rang Senator Amanda Vanstone's office and I said, what can we do? You know, mm. it's all behind the closed doors. And they said, we'll have a national day. And I said, but how do you do that? Yeah, and that's huge. <laughs> and they said, well, you just declare it. And so I now have declared an international Ghani Awareness Day and, and there it sits. So I thought, what can you have for gynecology? The breast cancer women have bras, so I have pink. I have 
Yeah. And I have undies for better understanding. So I've devised these uh, these undies in here like this, and we decorate this little flappy bit here. Yep. But then if you lift, lift that up there, it's got oh, all yeah. the dynamics, including the vulva. And Did for those, the vulva? And for those who can't see, obviously, because they're just tuning in, there's a really quite detailed image of, and it's very clearly labelled and easy to understand. Yes, so that's what it's all about. But I wanted to also say I've got my latest book out, which is called If Only I Knew. Okay. If Only I Knew I Could Have Asked For, you know, you know, ask for more help or, or, you know, perhaps have the lump cut out sooner that I wouldn't have to have so much removed. And then my other book is called The Not-So-Secret Women's Business. Oh, so, I like that um, name. That's a good title. Yeah. So, um, yes, I've got a few props and I've got this. I know the audience can't see it, but I've got this, yep. the new this prop here. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah. Kath, what, so if we're going to try and make it better for our girls and, you know, um, for your daughter, if they're, if they're having children as well, what age do you think we could start talking about um, pelvic health with our daughters? Well, uh, well, let's start off when they're, when they're uh, 12 months old. Let's say, oh, what's your vulva, what's your vulva? And that's one way to start it. Fabulous. And then... And then we start talking about periods and things like that. I sort of think probably because girls are having, my granddaughters had their periods about 10 or 11, no, 11 or 12. Much younger, much younger. Yeah. So therefore we as parents need to be talking. Um, we could even explain it when we're six, you know, that, you know, we're not, you know, talking about animals and they have this and then they have the babies and, and and it's just a fun way for them to think, oh, so that's what happens. And then probably when they get a bit older, you start to say, well, that's what the, the mummies and daddies or, you know, whatever. But I think very young age. Yeah, okay. So what's your big dream goal now? So obviously you've got your gyne gynecological awareness day. Tell us, just remind us when it is. It's the 10th of September, and okay. uh, this, this year, uh, last year, we, we stood around the bell tower and uh, we, we had all these big undies. I've made up all these great big undies. And um, so this year we're going to be doing the same and we're hoping to have a band around the bell tower. Uh, but last year I had the, the West Australian Health Minister speak uh, in Parliament House about the Guyana Awareness Day and he said I've never said this before and I'll probably never say it again but I've seen Kath Mazella's panties. <laughs> I love it because it's going to start a conversation how controversial I love it. It is absolutely so um, yeah so that the bell tower is over in WA isn't it? Yes it is yeah but yeah. I would love to have that all around Australia and I mean even I've got a woman in America saying you know what can we do Kath what can we do and that I can only I can only use the undies and a lot of people I know my cousin took a pair of the undies to her workplace and asked if she could hang it in the toilet for the dining yes. day and they hung it up but then the women complained that it's too uh too confrontational interesting yes I know <laughs> and, and but, but I don't think the women have the depth and the knowledge and the understanding of why those undies are up there, you know. Yeah. And, um, so there's still a lot, like you say, still a long way to go to be able to get to the depth of, of the work that we're doing. 
Yes. And I think the small wins just keep chipping away, as tiring yeah. as it is. You're doing an amazing yeah. job at what you're doing. Now, Kath, if people did want to, if our listeners want to find you, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, if they go to kathmazella.com, it's K-A-T-H-M-A-Z-E-L-L-A.com. Wonderful. We'll definitely put the link in our show notes so people can find you. What? So what's next for you? Where, um, you know, we're heading into Women's Health Week in September and I'm sure you're going to be pretty busy. Yes, well, we've got quite a few events uh, organised by Kylie Bonner and the Viva La Femme. Yes. Uh, we've, got, we've got a few leading up to that. But I've actually got the interest from a pathology company and they're going to have, we're going to have a, a, a soulful brunch um, on the 10th of September. Oh, and, fabulous. And we're planning to have a display table at the King Edward Hospital for Women. So that's what we did last year as well. So, and there's a few other organisations that are picking up on it. And um, yeah, but my aim after the Ghani Awareness Day is the United Nations Women, you know. But what I'm planning to do is getting other women's organisations to endorse the need for gynaecological awareness, uh, not just on the Ghani Day, but throughout the year. Because you see, it's put under reproductive health and oh. reproductive health to me is like having babies. It's but the gyne- internal, it's your vagina. Yeah. 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 It's, and <laughs> and um, yeah, it's polycystic ovaries, fibroids, hysterectomies, menopause, STIs, and stuff like that. It's huge. It's a huge business. And I'm going to be targeting an underclothes company. So yep. if there's any underclothes companies out there interested in two, 2022, yes. Um, yeah. Well, let's just. Watch this space. Watch this space, yeah. Because we do have, you know, like I would like the Royal College uh, Ranscog to be uh, to be supported by the community to lead on with gynecological awareness. So because we don't go to a reproductologist, do we? We go to a gynecologist. Yes, yes, definitely. Anyhow. Well, I love what you're doing, Kath, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of people will um, listen today and feel that they are seen and heard, and that's brilliant, and I love what you're yeah. doing. Keep fighting the good fight, won't you? Oh, and, and viva la vulva to you. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, See you later, Kath. Stephanie. Thank okay, you. bye. We would like to give a really big special thanks to Kath today. She kindly agreed to let us share her story on World Gynecological Awareness Oncology Day, even though she has been pioneering for change in this women's health space and created September 10th as the International Gynecological Awareness Day. Kath just knows it's too important not to want to join together and raise awareness no matter what the calendar says. So thanks, Kath. We really appreciate it. And we're back on track for sharing our chat with the founder of Australian Birth Stories podcast, Sophie Walker, for our next episode. Tune in and bye for now. Babe, my-